0: You're listening to the audio from Tuesday night class at CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this teaching helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is one of my favorite translations of the Bible, the brick. <laughs> in, have you guys ever seen it? The Lego Bible. It's, there's some really questionable ones, but <laughs> this is a good one. I didn't show any of the questionable ones. But when you think about how how do you choose what translation you're going to use? What do you, How do you decide that? How many of you are old enough to remember when everybody read the King James Bible? Yes. Yes. You guys are? Okay. So why do you think there are like 50 translations out there now? Why don't we just stick with the good old King James? Does anyone have a... Easier to read. So something that's easier to read? Okay. Any other reasons we might have gone beyond the King James? To understand it. Yeah, to understand it. So... Our English is different than the, the English was when King James w- was around. Any other reasons? New manuscripts. Yeah, so those are the two reasons. You guys have got both of them. So one, that uh, you know over the years, since whatever, 1500, Bible scholars were out there digging around in Israel. <laughs> Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Tons of new, tra- new manuscripts of the Bible have been found. So the newer translations take all those manuscripts as they translate. Also, language changes over time. How we speak now is different than how we even spoke 70 years ago. So the newer translations take that into account. So here's some questions that I would ask as I'm trying to figure out what translation do I want. I might ask the question, of what, I'm, what am I going to use my Bible for? Am I going to take it every day and I go w- for a walk by the lake and I pray and I just open my Bible and, and you know meditate on it? Or am I going to be doing some heavy duty Bible study with this Bible? What am I using my Bible for? And you may need more than one Bible, that's a hint. (laughs) And uh, then secondly, what kind of language are you most comfortable with? So for me, I like inclusive language. So I choose a translation that has inclusive language because I don't want to see brothers do this and I have to go, brothers, I'm not a brother. Do I have to be a sister too? So I'll choose a translation that includes me. So (laughs) that's just my own little bias. So you have to figure out what kind of language you like. Now, remember that the Bible was written in different languages, right? The Old Testament primarily in Hebrew, some Aramaic, the New Testament in Greek. And so one of the things that you're going to look for when you look at a good translation is who translated it. So as... David mentioned the translation of the Jehovah Bi- Witness Bible, the person who did it couldn't even read Greek. That would be really hard to translate the New Testament without knowing Greek. So who are the people who wrote the Bible, I mean, who had translated it? How many translated it? If you've got one guy sitting alone in a room translating his Bible, um, that the chances are he's, it's not going to be as good as 100 scholars who go back and forth and get together and debate on how a translation should happen. So, and what manuscripts were they using? Did they use only the manuscripts that were available in 1500? Or are they using modern manuscripts? And you can find that information out if you're really interested on the internet. There's, at the back of your notes, you'll see uh, a chart that kind of outlines that for some of the older translations. I think the chart might be maybe 10 years old, so it doesn't necessarily include the newer ones. But that chart talks about how many translators were there, um, what manuscripts did they use. that's, that would be a good thing to look at. But I want to talk a little bit about the science of translation, just so you understand it as you try and decide what interpretation, what translation you want to use. But again, the, the translators are making two choices. The first one is textual, and the second one is linguistic. So textual is, what text are they using? And I mentioned that. you, Sorry, I don't want your name, but you mentioned that when you said what that the number of manuscripts is greater. So what texts are they using to translate? And the second one is the linguistic question. How do you make these Greek and Hebrew thoughts make sense to the English in the English language in 2012? OK, so the question of the text is the translators have to look at the original manuscripts. Maybe there's 500 manuscripts on, on John. And they have to look at them all and go, what was the earliest one? How did this change happen? And they spend a lot of time trying to figure out what was as close as possible to the original text. Because we don't have any of the original text for any of the Bible. We only have copies of the original text. Okay, So that's what they're doing. And they're trying to figure out what is the original text by taking 500 manuscripts and going backwards. Okay, I'm trying to think what else we would do that in to make it make sense, an illustration of that. But I hope that makes sense to you. And then the second one is the question of language. So how to make it understandable. Some translations are more concerned that you understand the structure of the original Greek and Hebrew. Some translations are more, it's more important to them that you, under, that you understand it in English. So for instance, I used to be a campus pastor. And I take my New American Standard Bible on campus and people would ask me questions about the Bible, and I'd open my Bible and say, oh, there's something about this in John 5. And I'd read it to them, and they'd kind of look at me like, what? And then I'd have to translate it for them. Because <laughs> the New American Standard Bible is more concerned that it's exactly in the grammatical structure of the old Greek and Hebrew. And so it didn't make sense to people I was reading it to, and so I realized, oh man, I gotta take my NIV on campus, and when I open it and read it, they'll understand what it says. So. I'm going to explain that now. So when you look at translation principles, some translations use word for word, some use thought for thought, and th- some are paraphrase. So word for word is more concerned that the, the structure of the language is closer to the Hebrew or the Greek. And Greek and Hebrew sentence structure is very different than English. In Greek, there are no, there's no punctuation, and I mean, if you read Paul, you'll just see he uses clause after clause after clause, which doesn't make sense to English speakers, but worked for Greeks, and so um, that's why some translations go thought for thought. So as you move to the right, I'm not very good with my right and left. There's more and more interpretation in the translation process. So when you get to a paraphrase, a paraphrase is usually um, inter- translated by one person. And it usually is very much their interpretation of what the text says. So, for instance, the message is a paraphrase, written by Eugene Peterson, great to read, but I certainly wouldn't use it for Bible study. Okay? So I've highlighted a few of the texts that perhaps you're familiar with. So the NASV that I talked about, the New American Standard that I brought on campus and nobody knew what I was talking about, very close to word for word. King James ESV, which David likes, is is more thought for thought than the NASB, but still moving closer to word for word. You can see the NIV, it's kind of right in the middle there, leaning a little to the left, and then there's a living Bible and the message that are out on the end. So if you're doing Bible study, what what do you think would be a better translation to use? Take a guess. I have NIV. I for Bible study, probably the ESV or the NSB would be more helpful. But if you're going out to read and to like worship the Lord and reflect, what might be a better translation to use? Mm-hmm. The NIV probably. And again, I would never use one translation for Bible study. I would probably use five or ten. So, but but when you're reading them, you actually have to know which one is more like the Greek structure or which one is more like the Hebrew structure as you're reading them. So. So you have that little chart, and then I put it in a different way. And I'm going to use different terms here. But the word for word I'm translating is formal equivalence. So it's trying to get as close to the original as possible and still understandable in the English. The dynamic equivalent is trying to weigh both understanding and readability in English, and then the paraphrase doesn't really care about that. So these are the formal equivalence ones. Again, if you're doing Bible study, you'd need to have at least one of the formal equivalents Bibles. The dynamic equivalent, it might be helpful for you as you're interpreting. And the paraphrase would be helpful, but it's more like a commentary. Oh, what did Eugene Peterson think this passage meant? But it's not, you're not going to figure out what the Greek was saying by reading the message. Um, the Old King James Version is probably not a great Bible for Bible study. Because it's not using the newer manuscript. Okay, so the New King James, written in sort of the kind of language the Old King James is, if you like the King James language, is a better way for Bible study. Now, reading the new Old King James is great if that's, your, if that's how you read the Bible, and it's great for your devotional life, so I'm not trying to minimize it, but it's just not using the more, the, the more recently found manuscripts, so again, it's probably not as good for Bible study. well. Thanks for participating in this class. If you've been engaging in classes online but you're not a part of a church community we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.